Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Roots Podcast. As always, I am Curtis Byers, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. All right, uh, well, a quick little intro for us today, just a couple of news items to hit, and then we will be hopping on with uh, former rice basketball standout Carl Pierre, kind of checking on his journey from uh, UMass to rice to uh, whatever his plans are next. Uh, but uh, just a couple of news items to run through before then. Yeah, interesting. I we didn't get to where he was, uh, where he might end up next in the in the interview. But I, can you can you imagine doing the uh, international travel professional sports thing? I was just thinking on that for a while. You go see it. Well, it just seems like an exhausting like trade. Like I, there's a guy I went to high school with who was on my high school won the like Alabama like highest division state championship my senior year. And this guy was like our star player, and he went to Western Kentucky and then transferred to UAB, and has been bounced around. He played in Europe and then Israel and Mexico, and was actually in Ukraine. <laughs> but had just signed with a Ukrainian team when the invasion was about to start, and then he and his wife were like, mm, "Nope, we're out." Uh, and he actually finished the season with the the Pelicans, the New Orleans Pelicans. A new like NBA G League affiliate, which is in Birmingham. So we'll see where it goes from there. But like, I occasionally over the last like ten, you know, because it's now been thirteen years since I graduated from high school, <laughs> and occasionally I would check and be just like, "Wow, man! Like Jordan's still like playing overseas, and like I'm like, you know, all power to 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 those people." But like, man, that seems like an exhausting life. I think I would like to be a fly on the wall for like a week. Whenever they have that stint that they pass through, you know, like Italy or uh, one of those uh, Western Europe travel destinations, and then I'll, I'll pass. Once you get to Turkey, I'm good. Maybe. Yeah. Like we'll the, see. Uh, the, the long-term itinerant lifestyle of living in, like, Sweden for two years, and then Italy for a year, and then Israel for just, like, uh, maybe some people would love that. I'm sure there are people that do, but uh, uh. I'm a homebody. Yeah. Same. Oh well, we'll get to uh, we'll get to what's next with, with Carl when we uh, pop on our interview next. But uh, a couple of housekeeping. That's your record for our like fastest extended digression, probably. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> a minute in, we've... we're in fine form here. Hey, we in, we'll stay moderately on task with Carl. I think. Um, I know, but the yes. Last digression, getting back to the news. Um, so a football scheduling note, uh, which is actually good. I didn't think about this. This is the we had a rescheduling of a football game that's happening this fall and and not a cancellation because uh we're past that, uh, knock on wood. So November 5th was a Saturday. Rice was scheduled to play UTEP at Rice Stadium. That game has been moved to November 3rd. That's a Thursday. So we'll have a, a Thursday night kick. Uh first uh, Thursday night game at home uh, since UCLA in 2012, uh, which I know Thursday. I was at that game. I remember that. Oh, okay. Say any, any fond memories to share or do we need to start Um, a new Thursday tradition? That was, uh, I mean, obviously they played UCLA. So I think people would remember if that game had turned out well for us. I think Brett Hundley was the quarterback. 
for UCLA. And I like I know he had an extended cup of coffee as I think Aaron Rodgers back up. Uh, but it was one of those ones where it was sort of like the the diet version of watching Robert Griffin the third run all all over Rice Stadium. It wasn't quite that extreme, but it was kind of like that. Diet Robert Griffin the third. Glorious. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah, but that was the last Thursday game. Uh, I mean, I'm cool either way. I, I I think having a Thursday Friday game in college football, you get your Saturday free to watch everything else. I I don't hate it. Um, maybe that's just me. Um, so that's the the football scheduling news. And then I d- did want to hit recruiting. Uh, just a uh, a quick aside. If if you're not subscribed, if you've been listening to us and following along, you're not subscribed on Patreon yet. Uh, you should go do that, patreon.com slash at the roost. Um, particularly is notable because uh, Rice has offered ballpark 70 to 80 players in the past, like two recruiting cycles. Uh, they put out almost 30 offers in the past two weeks alone. Um, so they have upped their uh, their rapid fire on the offer count. Uh, had uh, four commitments in the past two weeks. Uh, we're not going to go through all those. Uh, Patreon.com slash at the roost. We got write-ups on all the guys and uh, note out today about kind of some staffing changes and things going on in the world of Rice football recruiting. But what I did want to hit, which I think was interesting and kind of needs some uh, explanation maybe for those that aren't living in the, the minutia of college football recruiting, so uh, Cam Dillon, who I guess officially committed, I uh, put, put that in air quotes, uh, committed to Rice on National Signing Day in February, uh, playing his graduate years, uh, came from Columbia University, and I guess has uh, uh, what would have been had two years left uh, of remaining eligibility, committed to Rice on National Signing Day, and will not be arriving uh, on campus in the summer as expected to. That's because uh, at the time of recording next week, uh, he's expected to enroll for classes at Duke University. Um, so Rice has had a transfer commitment transfer uh, before they got to Rice. So I guess, I don't know where you put that in your tracker. I guess he never, there's not even a dotted line to Rice anymore. It's just Columbia <laughs> to yeah. to Duke, uh, which is actually not that not that far of a drive, probably. It's uh, probably a lot. Co- cosmic revenge for. Uh, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like uh, uh, Durham might be like the halfway point between Houston and uh, Columbia. So maybe, maybe he just or Houston and New York. So maybe he just started to make the drive and was like, no, this is too long. I'm just going to stop here. I, you could end up in worse places. Uh, <laughs> I mean, North Carolina is beautiful, but. Um, yeah, maybe a, uh, a cosmic turnabout for because I think this is, I mean this is essentially what Luke McCaffrey did at uh, this is true Louisville so Louisville Louisville <laughs> yeah and so and I wanted to kind of walk through because at some point uh, either if you haven't listened to us you're not reading on Patreon you haven't seen this uh, we're gonna get to uh, the summer camp and he's gonna be gone not on the roster. And everyone's going to be like, where's the guy who committed but but didn't show up? Uh, so the, the way this works, I kind of want to just unpack this because it's kind of a a gray area of college football recruiting, maybe. Uh, so if you um, are gradu- graduating, I guess, 
leaving high school, uh, you sign what's called a letter of intent uh, with a college program, which is basically you declaring, I am committing, I will play for University X on the piece of paper. Uh, you are allowed to sign a letter of intent once. That's it. Once you have signed a letter of intent, you can sign no more letters of intent. That includes if you decide to transfer. So what's happening now uh, with Cam Dillon is what he what he signed when he committed to Rice in February uh, is called a grant and aid. And so semantics, but but essentially what that means is is he and Rice are coming to an agreement that Rice is going to pay his scholarship to come play football as long as long as he's playing football at Rice. I guess technically isn't it technically a one year uh, agreement that gets renewed as semantics, but it's an agreement that he's going to play football at Rice and Rice is going to foot the bill on tuition. But that's not with the Luke McCaffrey we discussed, not actually binding until you enroll in classes and step foot on the university, which is not happening. So it's interesting because we haven't really had this. I guess happened happened where Rice has lost somebody, um, but in the transfer portal era, it just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies that all of these transfer players that commit any time between it, January and June aren't actually locked in until they're locked in. Like they're probably locked in, but yeah, I, love, I mean, like weird. the whole process is ultimately not any more binding than verbal commitment. And it's also you see this sometimes with high school players with guys who either because the same rule of law, like you can only sign it once. You can be released from it if the college chooses to do so, which happens like you know a couple times a year. Um, but even if you, if a high school player, for instance, commits and signs the letter and then decides not to go to that school, when the school releases them, they'll sign another letter of intent. They just ultimately kind of show up where they show up. And then you sometimes see guys who don't even sign LOIs at all coming out of high school and just sort of show up. Like, I think Zach Evans did that at TCU. The Zach Evans recruitment is the one that I, I'll never forget. Yeah. Um, because it got to the point where he was just like, he announced, I'm just going to enroll in classes somewhere and y'all will find out. Like, he stopped talking about his recruitment. Um, I guess I was pre-enrolling in in TCU. Um, now now it's all this. Yep. Go figure. So, yeah, that that's kind of how that piece worked. So Cam Dillon, not going to be a Rice Al, going to be a Duke Blue Devil uh, sigh. But Rice did pick up another <laughs> linebacker, <laughs> a linebacker commitment. And I guess would have been mid-April they had a run, uh, Chris Conti from Rutgers. So who knows? The transfer portal uh, gives and takes. Uh, I think, you know, we, maybe at this point we don't know what we're missing. Um, if he never played it down at, at Rice, but I think there's certainly now a possibility that who knows Rice could go backfill that they could they could wait and out and see. It's just kind of an unknown. So we'll go from there. All right. Well, uh, that does it for our news items and related digressions or semi-related digressions. Uh, so we'll uh, hop on over with Carl now. All right, we are here now with a uh, former Rice basketball standout, Carl Pierre. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I've been doing well. Uh, I'm happy to be on. Yeah, and we were we were chatting just before this. It's uh, it's already May now, and I haven't talked to you for two months. Yeah. So uh, we're going to catch up and and hear where uh where Carl Pierre Carl Pierre is is at now, and then kind of maybe do a quick retrospective of 
of how you got here, because especially, I, I guess, kind of set the stage. Uh, the transfer portal is kind of a hot button topic right now, uh, especially when it revolves around the football world. But it's always been a part of basketball, too. So if we can uh, take us back to the beginning, um, where you're at before Rice, your decision to enter the portal and kind of how you found your way to Houston. Uh, well, so to take it all the way back, uh, before I got to Rice, I was at UMass uh, playing in the A-10. And I was there for four years, uh, graduated from there, uh, got my degrees from there and everything. But um, obviously with the COVID pandemic and whatnot, my senior year was a little not ideal. Um, we only got to play about 15 games. Uh, so I didn't really get my entire senior year. And um, it was tough at uh, UMass. We had a lot of turnover. Um, and, you know, it's just all, it was just a part of it. But um, after my senior year was over, uh, I decided that I wanted to play, uh, take advantage of my extra year uh, and just start and just enter the portal and see uh, where I could go, what my options could be. Uh, so I entered the portal um, and I got interest from a lot of schools, talked talk to a lot of schools. Um, but the thing with the Rice was first, Travis Evie, uh, we have a relationship before. Uh, college. I've known him for a long time. We played together in high school. Um, so that was like really one of the bigger um, deciding factors for me. Uh, and then uh, Coach Pera and the rest of the staff, I mean, they're great. Uh, they hold guys accountable. They coach hard. Uh, so that was another one of the uh, deciding factors uh, to me choosing to come to Rice. Um, and here I was playing at Rice, being in Houston, which is a great city. So I think I make the right decision. Yeah, could you have drawn up like a, a better set of circumstances? You have that one extra year. You have a, a friend and former high school teammate that happens to play in an offense that likes to shoot 75 threes a game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was the perfect uh, circumstance, perfect for, place for me to land. Uh, new city, big city, good weather, um, familiar faces. And like I said, the coaching staff is great. So I, it couldn't have won any better, to be honest. Did you use the phrase good weather in Houston in the same sentence? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess I, I was going to say, like, how, how was that transition from, uh, uh, well, I guess first Boston and then Amherst to uh, the, the, the heat and humidity down here? Uh, the heat and humidity, first and foremost, is it's an adjustment. Like, it's hard to deal with. Uh, you walk out and you feel like you just, like, have a blanket on. Like, it's just it's just nasty, but uh like i said like in in amherst and boston it gets cold uh there's snow um and honestly this year i was in nothing but a hoodie all year so it was it was nice i mean the, outside of the heat and humidity in the spring and the summertime the winter's nice uh it doesn't get too cold it's pretty comfortable so you'll you'll take the heat over the snow yeah that's funny and then you you got to campus and and the season started but uh, and this was interesting kind of following, you know, maybe not from afar, but not inside the locker room. You kind of got going and then there was like a three week halt where everybody on the team got COVID and you mm -hmm. couldn't play basketball. Mm -hmm. um, did you almost kind of like just stop the season and restart it? What was it like going through that? Because you had the, the shutdown year where everything stopped. Yeah. And then it, was it deja vu, like, here we go again? Or what was, what was that like trying to navigate COVID and everything going on? 
Uh, it was definitely deja vu. Like I said, like my senior year, we only played about like we only played 15 games. We got shut down a lot, like multiple times, three, four times. So I mean, by this point, by this year, I was I was used to it. Uh, I knew how to approach it, uh, how to keep myself in shape and whatnot. So it was definitely tough. Uh, happened around Christmas time, so we didn't get a lot of us didn't get to go home for Christmas. But I mean, I enjoy being around these guys, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, I was able to adjust. Around, but but six feet apart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't had a COVID joke in a while. Maybe. <laughs> Glad to leave those behind, honestly. Right. Well, and then it was in, it was interesting because it felt like right before the end of non-conference play, things were kind of this take me back, kind of starting to, to gel, mm-hmm. and then got out of the COVID shutdown uh, and ran into North Texas. Right. And, right. Right whatever those boys eat up and down. <laughs> um, but but then... In North Texas, at North Texas, too, so they didn't do us any favors with that. No, I I don't I'm, I don't remember that game. I'm... <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> but, but, but then it was interesting because it, you have a, an interesting perspective because this was your, your one year here in Houston, but... Um, for sitting here and covering the program and, and watching it like Carter and I have, we've kind of seen this progression where the win total has gone up each year, but it's also gotten to the point where like, okay, this is a team that comes out every game they could win. And then you have after the COVID, after North Texas, mm-hmm. you have that run where I think y'all win like five of six, six of seven or something like that. You beat UAB mm-hmm. um, at that point. um did it kind of feel like, you know, not to go all cheesy on you, but the stars had aligned and y- y'all had finally gotten over the hump and were ready to go? Like that that kind of felt like that was the moment where everything that was going right could go right. Oh, for sure. I mean, it definitely felt good. Um, <laughs> like, I think the game that really signified that was definitely winning it, uh, at home against UAB. Um, I mean, everybody was locked in. It was a big win. Uh, there were just outside of the top 25 at that time. So uh, it, it was, it definitely felt good. And it definitely felt like things were coming together for sure. Do you like getting to join in with football and just rice getting to be the school that thwarts UAB and everything? <laughs> for sure. I'll take it for sure. <laughs> Sorry, Birmingham uh, <laughs> fan down there. <laughs> not fan, but uh, you can't, you can't hurt where you're from. It's not your fault. You know, it's, it's... <laughs> If I got to pick between the two, it's, it's right every time. So. <laughs> Not at all. There we go. Well, and then that, that's what, and this was the part I wanted to ask you about, uh, Carl, because at that point, beat UAB and Coach Paris said, unarguably, biggest win at Rice in his tenure, bar mm-hmm. none, uh, mm-hmm. and everything is going right. Um, and then just kind of take me through like the next like two or three weeks, because Something happened, and the season didn't go on from there like mm-hmm. y'all wanted to. Like, what happened? Oh, uh, I mean, I think it's all just part of the ebb and flow of a season. You know what I mean? Like, things go. Everything seems like it's going your way for a couple weeks, and it turns around uh, in the next couple weeks after that. I mean, it's all just part of how it goes. Um, I feel like I'm. I just kind of take things in in flow, uh, roll with the punches. So I, that's my best explanation for it, to be honest. It's just part of the part of the season, part of the ebb and flow. You feel like having having Quincy the the year finishes differently, for sure, for sure. I mean, Quincy's 
a hell of a player, uh, for sure. Um, he would help us out a lot. And losing him uh, was definitely a big blow to our team, without a doubt. Can you take us uh, behind the curtain? I know you don't get to suit up again next year, but uh, uh, Quincy and, and Travis next year and whoever else they add, um, is, it, is it possible for, uh, not to get better, but uh, maybe, to, for this offense to to kind of not miss a beat, even if uh, they don't have you suiting up for, you know, four or five threes a game? <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, look at, I mean, to look back, even last year, I, w- I wasn't hearing this offense was one hell of an offense, and they still have the same core guys. Um, so I think there's definitely a chance for this offense to continue uh, how it's been and get better for sure. And, and when you kind of look back, do you have a, a couple moments or something that, that you mentioned, we talked about the UAB win, um, but that just kind of you think back and, and you remember about your time at Rice that you particularly enjoyed on or off the court? Uh, man, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, I really like small things. I really enjoyed the locker room after after practices. Uh, I mean, the guys are a fun group of guys. Uh, we'd just be in the locker room joking around, uh, sitting around. Um, so that, that was probably my favorite part of the year for sure. Uh, the UAB one was a big one on the court. Uh, that was a big win. And the opportunity to go to the CBI. I mean, postseason play is not easy to get into, and we got the chance to do it. So it was, it was huge. The, the CBI experience not, not tempered a little bit by the final, like, 1.6 seconds or whatever it was. <laughs> for sure, it hurt. Uh, it definitely hurt. It definitely hurt. Um, but... I'll take the opportunity to play uh, in the postseason every day. What, what was that moment like? Like, have you ever been on either side of that before? Sort of a buzzer beater like that to, to, to decide a game? And, like, what is that experience like, especially on the sort of the losing end of it, like when you're right there in the moment? It's super tough. Uh, I've been on both. I played in a lot of college basketball games, so I've been on both ends. And being the loser, it's tough because you go from this sort of high because you made a go-ahead basket or made a play or whatnot, and it's just kind of taken away from you. And the CBI, it was extra tough because that ended up being some of, like, myself and some of the other guys' last college game. So it was just like, I don't know, it was magnified by that for sure. They almost feel like they like they stole Destiny from you. Because the game started out, and I don't remember how far y'all got behind, but y'all were down, like, 14, 16 oh, yeah. or something yeah. in the first half. Um, it was just extra cruel to get that close. Like, it, just l- let me lose by 10, not, <laughs> not two. <laughs> it's wild. But, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it was crazy. It was crazy. Well, then you mentioned the guys. Uh, who's your uh, who's your, your road trip buddy? Who'd you sit next to on the plane on the bus that uh, made you laugh? Oh, I mean, there's a lot of funny guys. Like, there's a lot of funny guys. So, my roommate on the road was Travis. Uh, but I mean, in terms of guys that could make you laugh, Terrence McBride's a funny guy, Trav's funny, Quincy's funny, Cam Sheffield, like there's just, and like there's a lot of funny guys on the team for sure in different ways. Where's Pararank on the list? He got some good dad jokes. I feel like he, he <laughs> yeah. gets some dad jokes out of Pararank. Nah, yeah, he's funny. He's a, he's funny. <laughs> like behind all the intensity, he's a funny guy for sure. I tell him that. He's hilarious. He's good. Maybe I can learn a couple from him. He's a good guy. Um, it, and that's yeah, you're starting to get to that point where you got to really unleash the dad jokes on the kids. Like, they're, they're, they're getting close enough. So, uh, you, know, you got you to work on that game at this point. Yeah, 
that's my home base. So I feel like anybody gets got there, I can relate. Everybody, I mean, dad jokes are undefeated for sure. There you go. I will. Uh, when we get off this call, I'll uh, I'll make sure we get it over to uh, to Para that we need to petition Greenlight You slash Dad Joke You. We'll get for both sure. On. I'll be I'll be in his ear about it too. I'll be in his ear about it too. <laughs> Why not? I mean, and as as long as we're talking hashtags, uh, that was probably one of my favorite athletic inspired. Uh, hashtags that i've seen in a while um and the branding and the the green lights everywhere yeah um it was fun and paris said he invented that is that is he this did. True? he did a hundred he a hundred percent invented that so I is mean, it cool? yeah for sure and we definitely go by that as you guys can see because we get them up what's it what's it like playing in this offense because um yeah, I know you. When you grow up and you're just you're messing around in the backyard or at the gym or whatever, every everybody's you know, especially nowadays, you know, you want to be Seth Curry and you just you just throw it out from long range. What's it What's it like to be in an office where, uh, you know, you are going to wind up at a spot on the court and the basketball will just appear in your hands and they say go. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, we get a lot of freedom out there, but of course, there's a responsibility that comes with it. Uh, he will let you know if you take a bad shot. Um, so, I mean, that's one thing that you have to keep in the back of your head. But other than that, uh, he wants us to play fast, wants us to get up and down. And the way we play, uh, the ball hops around. Um, and we're an unselfish team. So it's a lot of fun. How do you find that line of aggression? Because it's curious, like, when you play to that style, obviously you want to get a lot of shots up. And sort of your definition of what a bad shot is is kind of different from Especially in college basketball with as many kind of slower pace or traditional like post oriented offenses as there are. It's 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 very different. Like where do you where do you find that line between like, you know, really getting things up and then and, and making sure kind of the numbers are in your favor, but also like, you know, I you know, I got two guys on me thirty feet from the basket, maybe I should maybe I should dial back and dump this one off. It's definitely a feel thing. Um, you just kind of pick it up as you play, as you practice. Uh, as you get a feel for uh, what, co- what Coach Pair is looking for. Uh, it's just kind of a feel thing. Um, a lot of it comes with context. If we haven't scored in three, four minutes, there's certain shots you should most definitely not take. Um, and maybe if you are if you are feeling it or you're having a big game, there's certain shots that your, your leash will be a little longer to take certain shots, but, but it's, it's just a feel thing for sure. And, and what was it? What was it like for you on, on on those days? Are you the kind of guy that, you know, after the game, you just stay on the court and you you shoot thirty threes or forty threes or whatever? Or you 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 have a good game. You you don't shoot anymore. You, you shoot. What what's kind of your uh your slump buster or your rhythm? What's kind of what was your routine for making sure that okay the next time I'm out they're all gonna fall? Uh, for me, I definitely have a routine. Uh, I get my shots up every day. Um, like we'll see. Like during the week. Um, before Saturday, Sunday, and whatnot, I get my shots up every day uh, before practice. I form shoot before every practice. Um, I think that's key to keeping a rhythm. Um, and then I'd come in on like a Sunday. Every Sunday I'd come in when we have our day off, so days off or whatnot, and I have a routine, uh, shots I get up uh, just to see the ball go in, and it's about 300 shots, I'd say, around there. Um, and then in terms of just like, like slump busters mentally, I think I try not to change too, too much or overthink it. 
Um, Cause I think that's when you start to like run into uh, extended slumps. You know what I mean? So I just stay true to my routine, um, work like I know how to work and then let the rest take care of itself. Well, and, and something clearly worked because you, you leave rice as the all time leader in, in three points made uh, in a season. I know everybody sets goals and aspirations for, you know, if I have a great year, it's going to be this. Did uh, that that kind of uh, record ever cross your mind? Is is a uh, one you could leave with? Uh, not really. I mean, I didn't have too too many expectations coming into the season. Um, I mean, I just wanted to play with a great group of guys, uh, be complimentary with the pieces that were already at Rice, um, and I think that kind of record is just a testament to the guys I play with. Uh, they got me the ball where I, where I needed to get the ball and well and the guys you mentioned i think also technically you and you and travis uh set the record for most threes by a duo mm-hmm. and uh i'm gonna go out on a limb and say if quincy had played a full season y'all would have set the most threes by a trio too if we could just <laughs> extend this on and on <laughs> back yeah for sure and then but what 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 kind of is your reason that because uh, you know i know that either you or Travis or Quincy, there's a couple of guys that can shoot from three. Um, but some of the guys in the middle that, especially that, that might not end up on the box score. What, how key is that, that center role? You know, we mentioned, especially in college offenses that the center is kind of <laughs> might not exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, how big were guys like Max and Elijah? Uh, how crucial is to have that piece being the guy there that, I mean, somebody has to get you the ball, right? For sure. For sure, it's major. Uh, and both of those guys are really great players. Um, so they command the attention down there. Uh, we give it to them down there. Uh, they'll score. And once they start scoring, teams have have to adjust where there might be a double team or whatnot. And I think a very underrated part of both of those guys' game, well, Max, I mean, we all know he's a great passer, but it's even still it's underrated. Uh, they're able to really find guys on the perimeter once uh, – pressure starts to come and it's always on time always on target um and our they make our job easy so their role in our offense is huge yeah that's one thing that always that struck me the the games i've watched the the last couple seasons is, is how much of that offense kind of runs through max kind of in the high post kind of um it's it's, it's I love to watch those offenses where it's just you, you get a guy kind of working at the free look free throw line sort of, and then you, 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 everybody's moving parts around, yeah, and eventually he just sort of bounces one in. Right, he just gets the ball at the high post, and the offense is essentially it's not necessarily always a set play. It's just like a read. Um, we have reads we get into. Uh, if the defense is playing it a certain way, we do certain things. And he, I mean, those guys are great at reading. Uh, and being on the same page as us and giving us the ball. Uh, a lot of times they throw us open where we might not even think we're open, but it just works. And then the crowd goes wild. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. <laughs> it is It is fun, though. I, is is there anything more satisfying than, than making that big, that big shot in a college basketball game? Oh, man, it's super satisfying. Um, whether it's at home or on the road, to be honest. Um, home, so wait, wait. So is it is it better to to make your your crowd go crazy or to make the other crowd silent? That's a good question. I think I would say other crowd silent because it's like 
it's you and your guys. Um, nobody's really in there cheering you guys on and to just shut their crowd up or make a big shot or a big play. It, it, it's super, super satisfying. That's that's interesting. You ever, you ever hit a, an opposing crowd with like the like the shush after a big shot or something uh, like that? No, nah, I haven't done that. Uh, I don't think I've done that in a long time. <laughs> oh, that oh, that actually leads to another good one. Who is the biggest trash talker on, uh, or who was the biggest trash talker on on last year's team? <laughs> uh, if you ask the guys, if you ask <laughs> my my teammates, they'd probably say me. <laughs> but and I, if we I don't agree, you, they'd probably say me. I don't do you have it? Do you have like a, a, a? Is there something you've ever like said to somebody that like you remember? It's like, oh, I got that guy. Like, like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Can you repeat it on the air? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I want to do. That. I don't think I. I, don't, I, don't, I don't. <laughs> Disclaimer, though, I don't ever start it. I don't ever. Start it. Mm. <laughs> sure, sure. We, we definitely believe you. <laughs> Oh, that's funny, man. Um, and then, you know, while we're talking about threes, I don't know if everybody knows this because it happened after the season. It kind of wound it down, uh, wound it down. Man, this is a Rice podcast. I should learn how to talk. Uh, wrapped up. We'll say that uh, you went out and participated in, in a, a three point shooting contest. Uh, mm -hmm. What was what was getting that invitation like? Uh, how did you find out? And then what was it like to go out there um, and get to just shoot? I mean, it was super exciting uh, getting that invitation. I learned, I was actually, I was home and I was planning to be home for like four or five days or something like that. And I got a call from Coach Coach P and he told me about it and I had to rush home, rush back to Houston to get ready for it. But when he called me, it was super exciting. Um, there was rumblings that it could happen, but it was still up in the air. But I learned and it was super, super exciting. And uh, once I got there, I was, I mean, I enjoyed being able to compete against some of the best shooters in college basketball. Yeah, and that was pretty, and you made it to the second round? Am I remembering yeah. that? Yeah. Got one win under your belt. Mm -hmm. And shot the lights out in the first round, if I'm remembering yeah, that correctly. Yeah. It was solid, it was solid. <laughs> A little humble, but it was, but it was good. That's pretty cool. Is it, it, those are the kind of things that, especially for for folks that might not sit down and watch an entire basketball game, everybody will turn on uh, that skills challenge stuff. And I know yeah. you you we what how many billions of threes in in your lifetime? Uh, any any extra nerves going like now? It's not just a game where I can shoot a two or a three or a pass it. Now it's like okay, I get twenty. I, yeah. Now I have to actually make this one or else. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it wasn't, see, it wasn't necessarily nerves. I was a little, I might say a little excited, a little anxious, I guess. But as soon as I fired off that first shot, it was gone. Like, I was like, okay, I got the fuel for it. Then now let's just, let's get it done. And you got through the first round and then you had the chance to trash talk. Nah, no trash talking for me. No trash talking for me. Only start, I don't ever start it. <laughs> And then, and then, what was next? Because that—that's the last time I think I've seen or anybody's seen you on a basketball court. Uh, wh what's life been like for you since? What are you doing now? And kind of what's what's the future for Carl Pierre on off the court or anywhere else? Uh, since the season's ended, um, I'm home now, but I'll be back in Houston soon. Um, but I've been working out with uh, Greg Howell, one of the assistant coaches. We work out every day, 
when I've been lifting uh, at, the, at the facilities at Rice. Uh, so the focus has been getting better, preparing for the next level. Um, and everything is just up in the air now. Um, just trying to see where I land, uh, what opportunities present themselves, and we'll just see where it takes me. What's that like for you? Because this is the uh, – I always found this interesting. Uh, I think I was talking with uh, with Calvin Anderson when he was um, back signing in and, and as a, a free agent after not not getting drafted. And kind of we, – we we'd talked about there's not a – a playbook because everybody knows like the, the the guys that go in the draft like the team picks you and they you show up there and you're done but like there's so many players in every every realm of pro sports that don't have a team pick them and just sign up all right you get on this plane and you're here what's it like maybe being on the next wave of guys that look wh what do you do, do you just do, you know like the movies do you sit by your phone waiting <laughs> for somebody to call are you are you calling like what's it like because you know everyone wants to play at the next level how does that practically happen it's a little bit of both so uh your agent reaches out to teams uh and sees uh if you can get into workouts or try to get you into summer league and other opportunities like that um and then the other half you do kind of just sit by your phone uh you try to stay ready like i said you just work out try to stay in shape uh and just keep improving your game uh and you just it just kind of i don't know like if uh somebody bites um and you're invited to workouts you go to those uh if it goes well you can get invited to summer league and it just kind of flows from there and if not um you can just as well like same thing your agent reaches out to their contacts overseas and sees where uh you can land do you got a sales pitch for uh for teams do i have a sales pitch yeah uh, Sign Carl like, Pierre because? Uh, no, nah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> That's I his job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you, uh, leading, uh, leading off of that, I guess. Are, so are you, are you the type of person who, like, basketball is what you do, but, like, you, you, know, you don't sit around and watch it. You're not, like, a, a, a crazy fan or anything like that. Or, or, like, do you have to, like, are you watching the Celtics right now, like, uh, behind the team, behind the computer screen? Uh, I'm definitely like a hoops junkie type of guy. I love to watch basketball, um, talk about basketball, play basketball, of course. I do have the Celtics game off in the distance. <laughs> as soon as we get off, uh, I'm going to head over to my aunt's house to watch it with the rest of my family. But, um, yeah, I mean, definitely enjoy uh, basketball, live, breathe, think basketball all the time. It's okay, but you're not yeah. the first person that's had a game on while talking with us. <laughs> you're secret safe. <laughs> I mean, I am all, like, I have been that person. <laughs> so, um, so, so you, you, you think the Celtics are going to win at all? Is, is, are you, uh, you high on them? I am. I'm high on the Celtics for sure. Uh, being from mass, of course I'm high on the Celtics and I, I think they really do have a shot this year. I mean, this is the year to do it. Um, they ran into the bucks, no Chris Middleton. Uh, I think they should have won what was game three at home. That was disappointing against Miami, but it's fine. Bounce back. Got the dub uh, and kind of, I mean, if they win game five, that puts a lot of pressure on Miami, but uh, it's going to be a tough road. The dubs are, are the dubs. So I'm a Warriors fan. So it's been a, uh, it's been a fun couple of weeks. <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. I have no vested interest. So, uh, okay. Fight, fight, fight. I'm just kidding, man. Well, that that's exciting and that's cool. And then you you hopefully you jet off and you uh 
you go if you just kind of this one thing where it's uh it's it's one day at a time you you go and yeah. hopefully get a shot somewhere and and yeah. play and then you you figure out tomorrow tomorrow do you got any long terms yeah i know you're a basketball junkie um but especially guys who have been through rice there's guys who have loved sports and then oh also by the way um like we had naeem smith uh, on here a couple weeks ago and he's like yeah i dabble in real estate and when i'm done with football i want to do real estate is there anything else that you, your post basketball plans you got in the back uh, of your brain or is you not reached that part yet post basketball i haven't reached it completely uh i know i i probably want to stay close to the game in some capacity i'm not sure what exactly that role is going to be specifically uh but yeah i'll just say i really want to stay close to the game coach maybe Think about possibly, it. Possibly, possibly, possibly. I know a guy in Houston that uh has hired how many how many former players has Para <laughs> hired to his staff at this point? It's got to be like yeah. four or five. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't turn you away. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't write the checks. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, I uh. I appreciate you joining us, and it's it's always fun to see. That's one of the things that I, I love about um, getting to cover Rice is that just so many just different folks that come through with different stories and how everybody got here. And you know, whether for one year or for especially man with the, the COVID stuff, like we got some guys who are like sixth and seventh year of college athletics at Rice, which is crazy. They're the old men now, um, but. It, it's uh it was awesome to to have you on and and for those uh you you social media guy where can we uh, where can we follow you and pay attention to to what what's next in in Carl Pierre wherever you uh end up going uh I am a social a social media guy a little bit uh, I'm on Instagram I'm on Twitter um yeah I mean if anything's gonna be up is it'll probably be on those two places and if we're not Celtics fans do we have to like guard ourselves before we click on your feed or no, no, no. I'm not the in-your-face. It's crazy because, like, I understand. I really do understand why people don't like Boston sports fans, but I'm not one of the in-your-face, like, delusional Boston sports fans. It's all good. You're just going to confidently count all your trophies and rings off to the side. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. See, this is where becoming Houston born and raised – well, not born, but raised. Yeah, I got, I got nothing here. So <laughs> – I mean, the app. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. That's a different podcast. Yeah. I mean, we could, uh, <laughs> and oh, man. Man, so you just trash talk. I think we struck a nerve. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good man. It's it's always a pleasure, and uh, we'll be in, we'll stay in touch and uh, wish you the best of luck. Uh, whatever's next. For sure, for sure. Thank you guys so much for having me. For sure. That's yeah, good to have you, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks, Carl, for hopping on with us. We'll uh, let you go and hopefully you can catch the start of the second quarter with your family. Uh, but uh, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, we'll see you again soon. And right, bye. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.